0: Everybody. Welcome to Closure with the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. Yeah, my name's Mike. Hi Mike. Hey. So this is something new we're doing. Um, we've covered if we've covered a case and there's some sense of closure to it. If a trial has happened, if someone is caught, if somebody confesses, we're going to try to loop back around, do a quick summation of the case with the updated information yeah so this is the first one time we're doing it uh we will not be doing any of our typical banter because technically it is a bonus episode it's not taking away any of our usual episodes this is the story of natalie holloway which we covered in episode 91 and we're just looping back around to.
1: you can go ahead and listen to it uh it's in the show notes if you'd like to
0: hmm So we're just going to jump right into this. So to summarize what happened in the Natalie Holloway case, on Thursday, May 26, 2005, Natalie Holloway was 18 years old, and she had just graduated from Alabama's Mountain Brook High School. She traveled with her school, her senior class, to Aruba to celebrate their senior trip. So the group consisted of 124 students and seven adult chaperones. They checked into the Holiday Inn near the northern end of the island, and during the trip, the group... Spent their days as a group of teenagers would at the beach. They were at the beach during the day. They would come back into the hotel, nap, shower, get ready for dinner, and then have drinks afterwards. The trip was very uneventful until the last night. So the last night of the trip was May 29th, and Natalie and her friends hit the hotel's casino, and there they began talking with a 17-year-old boy named Joran Vandersloot. He was born in the Netherlands, but had lived in Aruba since age three with his family. The group of girls, you know, that were sitting in the casino, they invited him to join them at Carlos and Charlie's, which is a local hotspot known for their, you know, nighttime festivities. So he agreed he was going to come and meet them, and he did. And when the club was closing at 1 a.m., some of Natalie's classmates saw her leaving with Joran and two of his friends. They were seen driving away in a Honda Civic. And the next morning came around. It was Monday, May 30th, 2005. This is when the group came to the airport to head back on their flight to Alabama. It was at this point in time that they realized that Natalie wasn't there. Initially, they thought she had overslept. And all they could think in their head was, oh, man, her mom is going to be so mad she doesn't make this flight. They didn't think it was anything serious. But, of course, Natalie's mom got word of the situation. She panicked and like any parent would. So the whole family, basically um, Natalie's mom and dad were divorced. Natalie's mom was remarried at the time. They all came to Aruba to figure out where is Natalie. So, you know, when they're arriving, Beth's Beth is Natalie's mom. She is learning that Natalie had been with Jorin that night. People on the island knew yoren you know he was very well known around there so again she find out found out that she was seen leaving carlos and charlie's with yoren as well as his 21 year old friend deepak kalpo and his brother 18 year old satish so they all left in this honda civic which was deepak's car so yoren initially claimed to have dropped natalie off at the holiday inn at 2 a.m plain and simple dropped her off Course, this is very easily seen if it's true or not. They checked the hotel's surveillance video. There was absolutely no sign that Natalie ever came back. So, this was very quickly shown to be false. So, now it's time that he needs to change his story for a second time. So, he said that they drove around and they went to a nearby lighthouse. But Lighthouse security later disproved this story. They were never seen there.
1: Too bad for cameras, huh?
0: Right? Or a good thing for cameras. Yeah, for his sake. So he is now changing his story for a third time, and he claimed that they had gone to the beach because Natalie wanted to see the sharks. And Deepak and Satish dropped them off at the beach. So according to and they walked along the beach. They held hands and kissed. He said he had to get home. He had an early class um, the next day. So he called and Satish came to the beach and got him. He left Natalie at the beach. She was alive and well and claimed, well, something must have happened to her after I left. So then on June 9th, 2005, Yorin, Deepak, and Satish ended up getting arrested. At this point, Yorin changed his story. Now for the fourth time, He said that Deepak and Satish dropped him off at the beach, but Natalie was so intoxicated that he had just had it. He was going to leave. He just walked home and left her there intoxicated. So and then at that point, three weeks passed. the Kalpul brothers ended up being released on July 4th, 2005. They did get rearrested on August 26th. There was no explanation as to why they were rearrested. So Joran provided a statement that said that he and Natalie were at the beach and he was trying to sexually fondle her at the time she was in and out of consciousness.
1: Wow. That's a big difference from the beginning.
0: Yeah. So his story is changing as quick as the wind is shifting. So Joran was released from prison on August 31st. The Kalpo brothers were released the next day. At the time, there was no body. There was no evidence, so they couldn't hold them. So nearly five years went by and Yorin's just living his life free, even though everyone knows he has something to do with this. So there was still no sign of Natalie. In March of 2010, Yorin actually had the guts to reach out to Beth Holloway's family via their lawyer and and said that he would reveal where Natalie's body was if Beth paid him $25,000 up front and then 225000 to follow. So for $250,000, he would say where her daughter was.
1: What an absolute scumbag.
0: Total monster. So he provided his bank account number. When Beth's lawyer, who was John Kelly, traveled to Aruba, at this time, he didn't even tell Beth what was going on. He didn't want to give her more angst or hope or anything. The woman had been through enough. Yeah. So he traveled to Aruba on his own accord. He did not bring any sort of money. He spoke with Yorin over in Aruba for like hours. And then when Yorin found out that he had no money and no intention of paying him at that moment, he got very agitated basically got no money at all at that point. just basically said that Natalie's body is nearby and that's the extent. So after this meeting, he contacted when I say he Kelly contacted the FBI to set up some sort of a sting operation. So Beth sent your in a hundred dollars to test if the bank account number he had given was actually legit. So um, she said that John Kelly would be bringing him an additional $25,000 when they had their meeting in Aruba now on May tenth, two 2010. So they signed a contract, and Joran told Kelly that while he and Natalie were on the beach, he wanted to go home, but she wanted to stay out. At one point, she started to scream, so he picked her up and threw her body onto the ground, and there she accidentally struck her head on a rock, which killed her. He said that his father helped him dispose of Natalie's body in a home's foundation. This was proven to be a blatant lie because the home was not built at the time that Natalie disappeared. So, because Joran took $25,000 in exchange for information that proved to be false, he could have been arrested. So, authorities wanted to hold off at this point. They wanted to build their case. So, in the meantime, Joran traveled to Lima, Peru. And on May 30th, 2010, which just so happened to be five years to the day that Natalie went missing, he met a 21 year old woman named Stephanie Flores Ramirez at a hotel casino, which is exactly how he met Natalie, exactly five years before. So on June 2nd, 2010, Stephanie was found murdered in a hotel room that was registered under Yoren's name. Surveillance video was black and white. They saw the two go into the room together. They saw that only Yoren left. And if you go back to episode 91, I do talk a little bit more about what happened here. But the point is he was clearly responsible for this girl's death. And the fact that it happened on the anniversary of Natalie's disappearance, I don't know what that means. Yeah,
1: you got to think it's calculated.
0: You have to think it was like he was getting some sort of sick pleasure out of that. Yeah. It's it's just too much to even wrap your head around. So when Stephanie's body was discovered, there was so much blood that investigators initially believed that she had actually been stabbed to death. So Joran, in the meantime, because they didn't discover Stephanie's body right away, he had fled to Chile. So he ended up getting captured. Somebody recognized his face. He was sent back to Peru to face charges for Stephanie's murder. So in his confession, according to what he did with Stephanie, he said he picked her up earlier that night at a poker table, table. They had at least 10 alcoholic drinks together. They went back to the hotel room. Joran said they were playing online poker when a message popped up on his computer that eluded his involvement in Natalie's disappearance. He said that Stephanie freaked out and lashed out at him and struck him on the head with her fist. Now, keep in mind that this man says nothing that's true. So believe it if you will. So he said that on impulse, he hit her on the top of the nose with his right elbow and then strangled her for a minute.
1: Yeah, I love my impulse is the same. Anytime I get hit by somebody, just go ahead and strangle them to death. Just
0: strangle her to death.
1: Yeah, it makes complete sense.
0: So he said he removed his shirt, put it over her face and pressed it hard until she died. And again, there was so much blood that they thought she had been stabbed to death. Mm -hmm. So on June twenty seventh, twenty ten, Yorin was also indicted on the US, in the US, excuse me, for wire fraud and extortion for the money that he took from Beth. Natalie's mom. So on January 11th, 2012, Joran pleaded guilty to murdering Stephanie Flores. On January 13th, 2012, he was sentenced to 28 years in prison, which is two years shy of the 30 year maximum sentence that you can get in Peru, in order to pay $74,500 to Stephanie Flores' family. He was then sentenced to another 18 years in prison in Peru for drug smuggling. He'll be at that point would have been in prison till 2045 because a prison term. Now, this one says in Peru, it can't exceed 35 years. So 30 to 35 years is the max sentence. So now we're fast forwarding to where we are now. So this actually came out to everybody on about the 18th or 19th, but it was actually October 3rd, 2023, which was nearly or more than two no, nearly two decades. It had been eight, more than 18 years. So, nearly two decades after Natalie went missing, 36 year old, now he's 36. 36-year-old Joran was offered a plea agreement on his charges of extortion and wire fraud and agreed to provide information about Natalie's disappearance in exchange for a 20-year sentence.
1: So I I knew we had a lot of people asking us, like, why now?
0: Because of this this whole court appearance for the extortion charges. Yeah, and if
1: they didn't have that extortion or wire fraud, then they wouldn't be able to get him to um, come
0: clean. Exactly. So during his confession, he calmly explained that he was trying to get Natalie back to her hotel hotel room and hopes that they could hook up. They began kissing and he tried to place his hand up her shirt and she stopped him. He ignored this. He continued on at this point because he was being so persistent. Natalie need him in the groin and then he kicked her extremely hard in the face. At that point, she was unconscious. He said she was laying on the sand and he saw a cinder block laying on the beach next to her. He picked it up and smashed her head in and dragged her body to the sea. He went about knee-deep in the water and basically let the tide take Natalie's body out to sea. And that is his story about what happened. He said from there, he went home, he checked on some soccer things, he watched some porn, and he went to bed. And that was it.
1: Typical day for Yorn.
0: <sighs> so because the statute of limitations in Aruba is 12 years, he has not been charged with Natalie's murder because more than 18 have passed. So on October 18th, he pled guilty to one count of extortion and wire fraud in exchange for a 20 year sentence, which will run concurrently in Peru with his sentence for murdering Flores. Okay. So he's not even getting extra time. Oh, on this. It's running right along. Hmm. He will only be returned to the U.S. to serve his federal sentence if his Peruvian prison term ends early. But, you know, the odds of that happening aren't great. So odds are he's just going to get out as if he hadn't had anything to do with extorting the Holloway family as well as murdering Natalie.
1: Yeah, because he happened to kill that other person, Mm -hmm. unfortunately.
0: So he did speak in court on the 18th to the Holloway family. During the you know, a court appearance, he apologized and claimed that he is no longer the person that he was back then. Of course, Natalie's mom spoke out and said, of course, I don't believe anything. He's not capable of having sorrow or compassion or remorse. The way she heard his confession in live time, she said it could have been that he was talking about having a bowl of cereal, brushing his teeth, getting in his car to drive down the street, yeah. how he described what happened the night that she lost her daughter was just nothing to him,
1: and not to mention we don't know if that's the truth either.
0: We don't know that. You know, so
1: uh, what's frustrating about it, but you know, as Natalie's family, you just got to take it and be like, okay, mm-hmm. finally, you know, some closure to this. But at the same time, it's it's kind of not very satisfying. You know, nothing is, is as satisfying as bringing Natalie back. Obviously, so
0: Natalie's mom is actually very pleased with everything that's that. Obviously, not losing her daughter, but the results of this. So Natalie's mom feels victorious to see Yoren in court and to be at the end of this nightmare they agreed to the plea deal in order to get closure the family has questioned if he actually disposed of natalie's body as he said he did they question if he himself dragged her body to the sea would she have been taken out never to be seen again they question: did they get did he get somebody to help him but Mm -hmm. they'll never know because he's a liar
1: right and you can ask him in five years and it might be totally different oh no i i left this part out blah blah blah
0: Mm Mm-hmm and they do feel that there's truth to what he said happened on the beach though that ended Natalie's life and it's like he, that's exactly how he killed Stephanie Flores it was just like this quick snap in him and he just let out all this rage on both of his victims
1: yeah like i you know was Being sarcastic about it's like yeah that's that's not the typical response for most people is to come out and take a cinder block to somebody's head right that's nuts
0: exactly I mean this this guy is a madman so um Beth Natalie's mom was able to speak in court and she said I have no doubt that Natalie would have made all of her dreams come true she really would have I mean and this is me talking now Natalie was a straight A student she was going on to big things and he stole that from her so now I'm going back to what Beth was saying she said. Um, by the way, you look like hell, Yorin. And I love love that. She said, you are a killer. I want you to remember that every time the door slams, that you are a killer. And Beth feels that the never-ending nightmare is now over because she is somebody that would rather know the facts of what happened versus letting her mind roll into the countless thousands of ways that night could have gone down. And she she appreciates that now she knows he is a confessed killer in her daughter's murder.
1: Yeah, and I, I gotta give kudos to Beth. I think it's really smart of her to say every time that door closes, think you're a killer. Mm-hmm. You know, he, She kind of gave him a uh, you know, something, some kind of a trigger to right. think back to the situation. Every time that gate closes to lock you in, like the animal that you are, think I'm a killer.
0: Yes, and she said she focused on two touch points that because he has no conscience and he has no remorse, she picked the two things that may have maybe struck a chord with him. The one was his looks. (laughs) The second was his daughter because he did have a daughter. He actually got married while he was in prison in Peru and they did have a baby. So she brought those two things up. She's like, somehow he manages to have some love in his heart for his daughter. So she made sure she said, you killed my daughter. And imagine that happening to your daughter. Imagine you being me. So she picked those two, because how do you reach the The heart of a madman.
1: I would want to talk to a psychologist beforehand, and see be like, okay, based on this guy's profile, mm-hmm. how can I get into his head?
0: How can I strike a chord with this lunatic? Yeah. So she feels very satisfied that there's no longer questions. Did Yoren do it? Did something else happen to Natalie? She knows that he's it's come out of his mouth. He did this to her. They'll never have their daughter back. They'll never recover her body, but she can finally have this story in her head stop. Because for 18 years she has suffered day and night about the what ifs, what what happened to my daughter. So it is a sense of closure, even though none of these cases result in ever having the person you love back. Yep. So well, that is our first edition of Closure with the Crime and Coffee Couple. We appreciate you guys for stopping in and taking a listen. And again, if you do want to hear the full episode, Mike will link uh, episode 91 in the show notes.
1: Let me know. Uh, let us know what you think of this uh, format you know and if there's any other um follow-ups that you'd like to hear because we're all layers
0: right and the whole thing is is that we are tr- we try our best to stay on top of things but it's a chaotic life and we're also
1: full-time parents full-time, <laughs> full-time workers, workers. And full-time um, and coffee couple
0: yeah so we're doing the best we can and i know i'm not good about keeping up with news. so if you guys hear one of our cases have gone to trial and gotten sentencing please let us know we appreciate it and like mike said let us know what you think of this one and until next time bye, bye.